launch the Collective Podcast, a place where we ignite your passion, turbocharge your success, and transform your thinking. I'm your host, Anthony Dyer, and today it's my absolute pleasure and privilege to welcome you to this podcast interview. And who better to start this podcast than with a man who's a champion and an inspiration to me. This man is a household name in Australian coaching. He has been in the industry for over 12 years, and in that time, he has held the top position of trainer's trainer at Australia's largest coaching school, ICI. Matt is a family man, a father of two, and a husband to his beautiful wife, Bianca. As the CEO and founder of Relentless Education, Matt is committed to helping you start and grow your coaching business into a business you love. Today, our special guest is Mr. Matt Lavaz. Welcome, Matt, to the Champion Mindset Collective Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. Looking forward to serving. So tell, tell me a bit about your journey, um, like from, from your childhood and also how you've transitioned into being a coach and also a trainer and, uh, and a dad as well. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that's happened in your life. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start at the beginning. Feel free to interrupt and interject if I talk too long. So I grew up in Geelong, so um, small town in Victoria. And I guess I had a pretty normal, normal childhood, like um, nothing massively out of the ordinary. Uh, but I think the thing that it probably affected me the most in my childhood was um, I got bullied a lot in school. Uh, definitely found school pretty hard to deal with. Like it was good. And then it was pretty average. Um, and my, my mom and dad split up when I was seven. So there was divorce and then there was uh, some other family traumas um, that took place. And, and I think what happened was my parents had a lot on their plate and probably weren't able to fully um, tune into me you know, emotionally. And I've, and I've learned that now as an adult, I don't hold any resentment towards them for that. But as a result of that, um, and, and probably just, you know, being bullied at school and things like that, having a, having a rough time, I guess, as a, as a teenager, just working out who I was and all that. Um, I got into drugs pretty early. I started smoking weed, um, drinking a lot, just wiping myself out. Um, I took, acid mushrooms um just really anything i get my hand on then i got into um uh, partying and going to raves and taking ecstasy mm. and speed and um all of that stuff um and i didn't really know it as a kid because i didn't have the awareness as a mm -hmm. kid i was just as far as i was concerned being cool you know trying to fit in and, and things like that but I think what I was really doing was I was trying to feel good and I just felt like shit a lot of the time. Mm. I, was, mm. I was trying to just feel okay. Um, and I was trying to escape my pain. I didn't know how to be with myself uh, or sit with my pain at all. Um, mm. And I think for me, like growing up in that kind of, party scene um i saw i had a lot of good friends um some great people i also saw 
the consequences of partying too much or mm. um, like I'll give you an example. There were a bunch of different people that I hang out with. Some people had, you know, like they like lived at home with their parents and had uh, parents that loved them, but they just took drugs on the weekends. Um, mm. And then I had people that lived in, you know, like drug houses where mm-hmm. um, everyone would come over and just take drugs all the time. And, you know, mm-hmm. their older brothers would take heroin and um, people would um, steal things, you know, and, and get in trouble mm-hmm. with the police, steal cars. And some people went to jail. Um, some people would hang out with the bikies. Um, you know, some people got stabbed. Like there was just, it, it was kind of like, the way I think about it was that there was like the, the, the normal kind of kids. Then there was like, we're a little bit naughty. And then there was the fringe of like, we're, we're probably going to end up in jail or dead. And I just saw all of it. I was part of all of it. Um, and, and I think as I was growing up, you know, I, 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 I definitely thank my mom for this. Mm-hmm. So my mom was a Christian when I grew up. And she, I didn't, I didn't like Christianity back then. I, I have a faith now, but when she was raising me, she raised me with good morals. She did her best to give me good morals. So she would teach me, you know, what's right and what's wrong and, and, and how to speak to people properly and how to respect people and how to treat women. And, and so I just kind of like had, I had a good blueprint, I think. And, and, and something in me that said, don't, go too far like don't like there's a line and if you cross Mm. that line you might not come back from that line Mm. um and i saw some people cross that line and you know i've got friends that went to jail and i've got friends that i know from uh, one guy who i used to live with who is constantly in and out of jail you know uh constantly like never being able to deal with his traumas um and i i don't judge him i've got lots of love for him um but there were many examples of what happens if you don't change. And so for me, it was early twenties and it kind of, it took me a long time to learn the lesson, by the way, like I really was a slow learner, Um, but I slowly started to face the reality that if I continue down this pathway of just drinking all the time and taking pills on the weekend and um, watching too much pornography and having loose relationships and never committing and not being into my health. And if I just continue this pathway, I could pretty much see where I was going to end up. So, and I thank God and I thank mom for that blueprint to be able Mm. to say, okay, I never went too far where I couldn't turn back. I was pretty close, but I never went too far. And that was kind of the beginning of personal development for me because the Mm -hmm. question, that was born in my mind was if I'm not going to continue to go down this pathway, where else am I going to go? And that's kind of the beginning of me thinking, okay, well, uh, I started looking around me and thinking, okay, well, who's happy? You know, is there an adult here that I know that seems like they're pretty happy that, that has their shit together? Who can I learn from? Uh, Who can guide me? And then I just really started searching and, uh, and that's what led me to personal development. It was like that, that question, I guess. 
Yeah. So you mentioned um, in the beginning that your parents um, split up in, when you were seven. Mm. And um, I've got a similar story as well. My parents split up when they were five. Mm. Um, and for me, later on in life, there was a lot of anger um, in my life as a, as a teenager. Did you find for yourself that uh, you had a lot of anger pent up in you and built up in you and, and you were just trying to get, get all that emotion out just through doing the drugs and, and partying and all that? Yeah. I don't think I ever thought about it. I don't think I was ever aware of it as a kid. Um, it's only it's taken me a long time to be able to work that out and have that awareness, but I was definitely extremely angry. I was just, I hated the world, you know, I was just your typical kind of like troubled kid. And in a way I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that no one was able to work that out, you know, cause mm. I was labeled the, the, the naughty kid. Do you know what I mean? I was mm. an angry kid. Mm. I was a naughty kid. I was a class clown. And now with what I know about kids and trauma and stuff, I, I think gee, it would have been really nice for someone to break through and yeah. not just treat the behavior. You yeah. Know? Cause I, I just, you know, I got expelled from school uh, twice uh, mm -hmm. two different schools i remember the last school that took me in was the last school in geelong that would possibly take me in that was it they were like if you fuck you know if you if you mess this up that's it mm -hmm. you have to go mm -hmm. to um uh go to tafe and just learn a trade mm -hmm. and become a carpenter or something like that um mm -hmm. uh, which i didn't want to do um no disrespect to people that want to become carpenters um but yeah i was super angry and i didn't know what to do do about it and i didn't have any conscious awareness of why i was angry mm. um and i don't know how else i could have handled that in that situation you know my dad wasn't around um mm. my mom i think had a little bit too much on probably she's managing mm. a lot single mom three kids you know my sister had gone through a massive trauma and so yeah it was really really tough i think to be able to to manage it um yeah. and i definitely you know what? Then I did. I think I, I I flipped it and probably became a people pleaser. So I was mm -hmm. like, initially I was like, "F you, get away from mm -hmm. me," uh, mm -hmm. because underneath that "F you" was like sadness. It was like, you know, no one loves me. I'm not lovable. Absolutely, uh, absolutely, totally relate. Um, and you know, you, you want that belonging and you want that love and you want acceptance and and validation, and uh, and you know, you haven't you didn't get that, uh, and especially not having a dad who's your role model, you know, someone that you should look up to. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it was the other way around with not having a mum for, it was 21. So, you know, I had the, the flip side of that of not, not being loved and all that sort of stuff. So totally, I totally understand where, you know, I mean, for me, anger issues were like um, stabbing someone at 10, I stabbed a kid in his hand at 10 years old, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, so um, so what? How did you how did you get out of that like mindset and that that? Uh, so you know, obviously there's there's an emotional part of it, but in terms of your mindset, how did you change that and how did you get yourself out of that um that, that scenario of what you were going through? Um, I think the most effective thing I did was start to exercise. Like mm -hmm. to, to be completely honest, like the the journey began with exercise first. Um, so 
had a friend of mine who I'm, I'm still close with now, Troy. Um, and he became a personal trainer. And at that time I was a salesperson and, um, I just remember, I think I, I went to the gym once or I did a couple of sessions with him and I was so unfit. Like I was never, I wasn't the kid that played sport. So I remember the first personal training session I did, maybe first four, I just threw up. <laughs> um, Cause I was just, man, I was so, I couldn't do anything, you know, run, squat, throw up. Yeah. Um, but when I started to exercise, then I started to learn about food and I think I started to feel pretty good. You know, my mood changed and uh, started to feel like I had something to do. You know, I could, okay, this, I've got control over this. I can, I can work out. I can get fit. Um, I started to run. I found a community of guys and girls that we were, you know, in a running group. I I missed that. Um, I've got a bit of a knee problem at the moment, so I can't run. But um, yeah, I think initially it was exercise that really helped. Um, and I'm still, I'm very passionate about exercise now and, um, passionate about the, the power of the body to help change the mind. And I'm a massive believer that you can't just only approach your, uh, problems through talk therapy alone. You know, you've got to breathe and you've got to, if you can do some cold, hot, cold stuff and you've got to exercise, you've got to do resistance training. So initially I started with that and that helped me significantly. So I got a job as a personal trainer and um, I started my own business. Um, I started, I, you know, I had independence. And, and I think that the thing that fitness did for me is it got me off drugs because I worked out pretty quickly that I've got to choose one or the other. Like I used to DJ and I would DJ on a Thursday night, take drugs Thursday night, stay up all day, all night stay up Friday, take drugs all day Friday. Sometimes I'd keep going, go Saturday, mm. still not sleep, keep drinking, keep taking drugs, you know, and then sleep like Saturday, Sunday. Um, and if I was running and lifting weights and doing CrossFit workouts and stuff, like I couldn't maintain both of them. And mm. so it was real blessing in a way, like exercise gave me um, a reason to stop taking drugs. And I just decided yeah. that I'd rather be fit and feel good than yeah. um, feel like shit all the time. And yeah. I think that that was definitely like the beginning. And then mm. I started searching for more and I was lucky to have a guy come to our gym and he did a seminar. I'll always be grateful for him. He, he did a seminar. I started talking about personal development. Started talking about like the way you think and how you, how you talk to yourself and how you act. And, and I remember just thinking, wow, this, this stuff's good. You know, I've never heard this before. Mm. Um, then I found Tony Robbins and I listened to some of his mm-hmm. tapes and I thought, man, this guy's, this guy's great. You know, he's, he's, mm. a, he's a speaker, he's a motivator or something, and he's got some tips and some tools. And, and, and I really became inspired because I thought, okay, I remember the realization. It was like, I have choice. That was my realization mm. is that I'm not just wishing, waiting and hoping for stuff in life to change. Mm-hmm. I'm if, if I want to change it, then I can change it. There's something that I, I can think differently about this. I can um, uh, feel a different way about this if I really want to. And that's going to change my experience. And as a result of that, I can change my direction in life. And that was the beginning of me realizing that I actually had a say 
I think in 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 my life, mm. and I could make it better if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. So would you say um, Tony Robbins was one of your inspirations back then? Yeah, uh, and uh, and were they were there any others that you looked up to um, or or followed that yeah, inspired I, you? Well, well, from that I found. Um, so initially, it would have been. Um, I can't remember this, I can't remember his name, but this this guy who came and did a seminar for me. I, I know he lives in he lives in Melbourne. Um, he was initially someone who I really looked up to. I listened to his tapes all the time. Um, he's a real estate coach now, I think. Um, then I went overseas. Um, I went and I worked on a cruise ship. I learned how to do public speaking, like like basic public speaking. Uh, mm. For anyone who's worked on a cruise ship, you'll know what I'm talking about. I worked for Steiner academy mm-hmm. and we trained in london and, and it was like a great adventure uh met a guy who ran events on the cruise ship mm-hmm. you know was really inspired by him then i came back and i was actually looking for public speaking training so i really got inspired by anyone who was on stage there's a handful of people that i met locally um and then tony robbins and so i was i came home and i'm googling and i'm trying to find someone who can help me be become a professional speaker because I, I knew I was quite bad at it. So I, I, I remember the one of the first books I read was The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. I read that book and I'm like, okay, I can be present. I can be mindful. I can be in the moment. But I'd try and explain that to someone else and I would never be able to explain it to them or I would never be able to like help them understand it the way I understand it. Um, yeah. They would always just think I was weird and it never landed and I wasn't good at like um, coffee conversation. You know, if I met some people, I was never good at that type of conversation. I was actually, I was horrible at it. And I think what was happening in hindsight was I was overly defensive in Mm. how I communicated. And I probably came across a little bit aggressive. And I just remember everyone looked at me weird when I would try and communicate. Um, And I thought to myself, got to work this out, got to change this. This is something I can, I can, obviously these people must be trained. So started looking for education. And that's when I actually found what used to be called the coaching Institute. Um, and then I saw um, who used to be called Sharon Pearson, who's now Remy Pearson um, and, and Joe Pane, who is still a great friend of mine and a mentor. Mm. Um, and both of them were massively inspirational to me. Um, mm-hmm. I really, really learned tons from both of them. Um, and yeah, they became mentors of mine. And then I worked with them uh, alongside them and they became colleagues and yeah. Um, yeah, they were massive inspirations. Yeah. So how was it, how was that journey for you? You were going into, into the whole coaching world um, and, you know, public speaking and going into that coaching um, the world and, and really like, what was it like in the beginning? And then and take us through the steps of, of those, it's been 12 years now, but you spent how many, how many years did you spend in the coaching institute? Um, at least 10. 10, yeah. Yeah, I think 10. Yeah. Close to that. So it, it was it was awesome. I, I I I recommend everyone should go into a coaching course or just do mm. a basic like NLP course or something like that. Just learn about language. Yeah. Um learn about how the mind works. Um learn about the nature of thinking and how to process emotions and the importance of how we talk to ourselves, how to validate ourselves, validate others, learn how to ask questions, learn how to ask good quality questions. Mm. Um, 
it changed my life in phenomenal ways. And I'll always be really grateful to the coaching Institute and also just coaching as a, yeah. as an, as a, as a body. I, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in it. I'll yeah. always will be. Um, yeah. It completely changed my life. I, I just, I'm amazed by how powerful it is still. And I just think, mm. you know, see coaching has a, has a, has a bad name because I think a lot of really weird people do coaching. This is the nature of coaching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of weirdos do coaching Yeah, and they're great people, but they're really yeah. weird and esoteric, yeah. crazy and new age and out there. And, um, and so then as a result, coaching has a bunch of weirdos that do coaching courses. Um, and it's then, you know, it's, it's very different in comparison to psychology, which still mm. has weirdos in it, but like weirdos that have the capability to do a university degree for five years or 10 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's completely, it's a completely different industry where so, yeah. coaching can have someone who just did a weekend course and yeah. they own too many cats. Do you know what I mean? And they've got essential oils they can sell you. So <laughs> it's a different industry, but with, if you can just accept that and just be like, cool, there's some cool people here. Um, it's also extremely beneficial. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess society has evolved as you know, as as things like you know spirituality and all, all that sort of stuff has you know come into forefront. Um, people were, well, like you said, the weirdos come out. But um, but yeah, having that grounding of of coaching and language and understanding people and and being able to hold space for people. And uh, and so on is, is so 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 important because in this day day to day world we don't often do that we we often want to just talk about what we want to talk about but not actually hold space for others so um, it must have been quite rewarding for you in those ten years and even now in those in twelve years um, inspiring touching people's lives changing people's lives what was what I mean what was that like. You know, how how did how did that make you feel when you saw people really, you know, be break free from their from things that were holding them back, the challenges and their mind and, and so on? It's amazing. Yeah, just to be able to learn a skill that can help people um is it's amazing. It's a, it's something that I'm grateful for. I feel mm. um, very, very blessed to be able to have access to it and to be able to have people trust me to be able to help mm -hmm. them and, and listen to their stories and guide them through challenges. Um, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful thing. I also think that I think it's the type of thing that we're all supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So I have an interesting view on coaching. Um, so I think that the healing that we all need comes from each other, right? So I think mm -hmm. that we heal, we heal in community and um, we, we need to be heard, validated, seen, understood, loved, cared for to be able to heal. And I think that we're all supposed to be able to do that. Mm. But 
because the world has been through so much trauma, let's just say over the last like century, and I'm mm. sure significantly before that, but over the last century, we know that we've had two huge wars that everyone was involved in. There's consistently been war ever since in, especially in the Middle East, mm-hmm. uh, some horrible things that have happened um, in different parts of the world that still continue to happen. Like there's more slavery now than there ever has been. Like there's just a lot of bad stuff that consistently happens. And, you know, we're, I think we, we forget how I think unevolved we are because I think because technology evolves so much, like we think we're so much better than Mm. we are. It's like, Oh, we've come so far. And I think we have in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways, we're still all emotional children because of all of the stuff that we've been through. You don't have to to look back far to find um, sexual abuse inside your family lineage. It'll Mm. be somewhere. Um, Mm. Someone would have been um, affected by it somewhere, you know, cousin, uncle, do you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. it's so yeah. so easy to find that same thing with alcoholism, same thing with physical abuse. It's there, mm. right? Um, and it's way more common than people think. And and as a result of that, most of us are just like shut off from our natural ability to be empathetic towards each other. Yeah. So what I think coaching does is it puts us back into that place. Mm-hmm. Um, should anyway to help us become empathetic towards ourselves. So then we can become empathetic towards each other and then we can help each other heal. You know, yeah. I, I um, someone said to me the other day on Facebook, shout out if you're listening, but I disagree with him. He said that, you know, um, uh, coaches should never do work around trauma. Um, it's a guy that I know and mm. I, I disagree. And the reason why I disagree is because trauma is, I, I believe best defined by Gabor Mate, which is it is not the event, but it's the um, it's how alone you felt after the event. Mm. And so, and the reason why that's important is because what we now psychology agrees that trauma is subjective. So there's mm-hmm. obvious things like sexual abuse or physical abuse. And we would all agree, well, that's traumatic going to war. That's traumatic. But a lot of people would go, Oh, well, your parents breaking up, that's normal or being bullied. And it wasn't that bad, you know, so, or, or, or losing a, a brother or a sister or losing an animal. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, not that, that's not that bad, you know, not in comparison to the, to the real trauma. And so trauma, what we understand about trauma is that it's purely subjective, which is just means that it's like your experience of it can be pretty intense, regardless of yeah. if we don't agree societally that it was that much of a big deal, it can still be really traumatic for an individual and what heals trauma is not being alone. What what That's heals right. it is having someone love you and listen to you and care about you and hold you and ask you great questions and not try mm. to And And yep. I don't think that should only be, like, I think that our culture is so broken that the only people that can do that are professionals. That's what I believe. Mm. Like mm. the mm. only people that can help you when you're that effed up uh, is a professional with a white lab coat that you have to pay money to. I think that's a completely broken society. Hmm. I think it should, it should be just available to us in community because that's yeah. our nat- that's our natural way of being that we're all trying to get back to is yeah. 
you know, you've gone through something stressful, well, freaking come over. Let's talk mm. about it. Let's break mm. it down. Come over for as long yeah. as you want. Stay, stay with me for a bit. And I, I, I'm, as I get older, I'm more passionate about that. And I, this is weird what I'm about to say because I help people run coaching businesses, but I think a lot of this should be available for free or cheap because the world is in such a disorder. Um, and I, I don't know, I can't remember what the question was. I'm sorry. But I, I think that coaching is something that everyone should be able to do. Like we're all coaches. Everyone's a coach. You're just Absolutely. either shut off from it and have no idea and you need training or you have learned the language of compassion, understanding and helping someone be seen, heard and loved. And therefore yeah. you can help someone heal. Yeah. I mean, look, I, like I was in uh, a few months ago, I was in the corporate world and did a five month um, leadership training. And in the part of the, on the first module that we did was all around coaching. Now, None of those leaders were coaches, but they were human beings. Yeah, and it's like, and what we were being taught is how we are being with people in in our care, and how are we, how are we influencing, how are we, how are we giving them empathy, are we giving them compassion, and all of, all of that stuff. So I agree with you. It's it's not something that that you need to have a degree in to be able to coach. Any, anyone should be able to coach any, anyone else. And going back to your point about like um, us all as being human beings, like Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about how, you know, we are we are energy, and and you know, we when we connect uh, collectively as as a human race, then we have the power to be able to shift and change things in this world. Um, and un unfortunately, we've become disjointed. We're not connected with each other. And I think that's one of the fundamental things is that is that if we raised our energy levels and vibrations to to actually agree, like even things that decisions that are made or things that happen and you know, if people got together and that energy together, then together collectively we can get so much together, you know, and help each other. So I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm more of a pessimist when it comes to that stuff. Like I don't believe that's ever going to happen on a global scale. I think the world yeah. will, I think people will destroy themselves, but I think like in pockets, that's, that will happen. Yeah. You know, I think, communities, in, right? yeah, like in yeah. little communities and little places around the world that, that, that exists. And I think that will grow a little bit, but I think overall, um, I think we're doomed. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, you're, I think you're right. Communities, um, you know, even little towns maybe, but uh, mm. yeah. Um, so, uh, what I wanted to ask you next was around your journey of becoming a dad. Mm. So tell me more about that. Like, um, what was that like? You know, obviously getting married and and then having becoming a dad, and that's a lot of responsibility. Mm. Um, how did you have to sh shift your mindset um, mm. from being an individual to now being responsible for, uh, including yourself, four people? Mm, mm, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, when I was dating um, my wife, I was still making the same mistakes that I made with every other person that I was with. And I, I never really fully committed to someone. Um, I think I was always, I've always had like a bit of a fear of intimacy, um, oh. not wanting to get too close to someone. And so whenever it got good, I would sabotage it, ruin it. And that was pretty much the pattern that I did with everyone. 
And I um, personally, I believe in, in God. I believe that God is a personal person. I believe that, um, and, and I'm more than happy to, to say it because it's weird. Like people will judge you for believing that, um, which I think is just weird to judge people for what they believe. But anyway, um, I believe that there's a God and I believe that God told me not to mess it up. It was really weird. Um, uh-huh. I, I just remember there was a moment and I, and I had, and it was like a feeling, it was a voice, but it was like a feeling more of a sensation. And it was like, it was like, don't mess this one up. This one's important. Don't, uh-huh. do you could do it, but don't do it. And I remember that. And I remember thinking, I'm like, all right, I've just got to like, I don't know exactly how to navigate this, but I've got to navigate it different. I can't mess this one up. This one matters. And um, when we had Noah, so Bianca became pregnant, we weren't married. Um, uh, when we had Noah, a couple of things happened. So Noah was born 10 weeks early. So we he was very premature. He was in the, what's called the NICU unit um, in um, uh, Alfred, uh, Alfred Hospital, I think in Melbourne. Um, mm-hmm. And um, he was in essentially ICU for babies for 10 weeks. And it was really horrible. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember when we went into the hospital and we, they were like, they're like, okay, we need to operate right now, you know, 10 weeks out. And we, we haven't even set up the the room yet for Noah, but they were like, we're going to operate. And um, it was really scary. They had like, there was like 10 doctors and, um, she had a ruptured placenta, which essentially means that the baby was cut off. Uh, Noel was like cut off from oh. his. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, mm. um, and so as a result of that, they were like, um, I think, I really think doctors should be able to lie to you. I really believe that. I don't think they should be as honest as they are because it scares the shit out of you. So mm. they were like, look, we need to operate. Um, and we need you to sign this form just in case you bleed out and die on the table. Uh, if that happens, we'll need to um, uh, uh, give you someone else's blood and we just need you to sign here. And I was like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. You know, like this, we were just on our way to work. You know, this is like, we've just come in because we're just checking to make sure everything's okay. She's got a bit of pain. Mm-hmm. And anyway, um, I just remember I could see how scared Bianca was. And I just remember, I knew I had to hold it together for her. And I knew I had to be a rock for her. And I was holding her hand and, and I said to her, let's pray. And at that time I wasn't, I didn't believe in God, probably hated God in a way. I thought Christianity was stupid. I thought religion was stupid. I thought faith was stupid, but I grabbed her hand and I said, let's pray. Um, and I just remember like, that was, a, it was a powerful moment because I was so helpless and I'm, I've always been someone who's like, who loves his own will. You know, I like being able to solve shit myself, be in control. And in that moment, I was completely out of control. There's nothing I could do. I couldn't do oh. anything. There's, that was it. And so all I could do was pray. And we prayed together and we cried. And um, Noel was okay. He was healthy. He came out. He's like such an awesome kid now. But when I became a dad, like it, it changed me so much and still continues to change me because now I'm aware that if I don't get my shit together, it has extreme consequences. Mm. We'll put my shit on them. Mm. 
mountains, I really don't want to do that. So it's mm. constant motivator to heal and to grow and to forgive and to love. And I honestly don't believe I'm that good at it. I know a lot of people will be like, oh, you're really good at it because they see the highlight reels. But um, I think parenting is definitely the by far the hardest thing I've done for sure. Nothing else is as hard as this, but it's Certainly. also beautiful and, and, a, and a gift and, and just the best thing as well. Yeah. But you know, I, I, it, I, I think everyone should, I think we're supposed to have children. I, I, I'm a yeah. massive believer in that, but I think that it changes you for the better. And I respect and honor anyone who chooses not to, of course, um, for whatever reasons that are important to them. I, I definitely honor that. Uh, I just believe yeah. it's good for you as a person. Yeah. yeah. Um. So like, I mean, I look back at my life and, and the things that I went through and how that, how that influenced me to make sure that I, I don't do the same things t- to my child. You know, I've got a not, um, almost 10 year old daughter, Olivia. Yeah. And um, like, so yeah, I didn't want my daughter to go through the, the, the challenges that I went through. So what, from your learning of your life and your, your childhood, what would you, what are you, what are you putting into place now so that, uh, your kids are also, you know, are nurtured and loved and, and cared for and and have a better a better future to yeah. What 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 are you what are you doing as a dad um to, to make that happen? Yeah, at the moment one of the things that I'm working on is slowing down more. Um mm. I've been too distracted, so too distracted by the internet, social media, technology. Mm. Mm. Um, I really don't like technology. I wish I could get away from it, to be completely honest. Like I sometimes think about it. Um, but I love what I do. I really mm-hmm. love it. Um, but just it's just something that I wish I could spend a little bit more time away from. Mm. Um so making sure that we are not just distracted all the time. I'm 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 I'm, I'm working on it. I'm getting better, but I don't want my kids to rely on television mm. to make them feel good. And I don't want my kids mm-hmm. to use screens all the time. By the way, if you're listening to this and you let your kids use screens all the time, that's cool. Like it's your choice as a parent, but my belief and my choice is, is that it should be extremely minimized mm. how much they use that shit because it's crack. Mm. Crack. Um, man, yeah. I'm, I find it hard and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm an adult with choice. And yeah. So, I mean, my daughter, my daughter points it out to me and goes, you know, you're on your phone again. I'm like, oh, yeah. put it down. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Turn it off. So yeah, yeah that's, that's really important for me because it's obviously the world that we live in. Um, I, I, yeah, I just want my kids to grow up in the real world, not the fake world. Oh. And so getting myself out of that and, and and spending as much time as I can with them is something that's really important to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's, it, yeah, like you said, it's, it's a tough job being a parent. It's, um, it's probably one of the toughest jobs because we don't get a manual. We don't get, we, it doesn't, you know, we're not, we don't know how to tra- traverse this world, especially with um, like with anxiety and all that sort of stuff that goes on with kids these days. And I'm currently going through something like some of that now. And so 
it's so important to like you said disconnect from technology and spend time with our loved ones and make sure that we are because we don't we don't know when when it's the last day on earth and um we've got to make the most of it right yeah, yeah. so um but tell me more about your your business um your relentless education um what what you know back to you to start this business and and what was your you know what was your passion um your vision around this business and and how that's going and and what would you like to um say to the viewers well it was it was it, it just it just organically in a way happened because i've been in the coaching industry for um so let's say 10 years at the time when we started thinking about it and coaching is just something that i know really really well so i um when i stopped working at the coaching institute for a period of time there i did i i just decided to have some time off um both of my wife's pregnancies with nora and noraya um both of them were really really challenging so it was mm. really really hardcore and um i took some time off just to look after my wife and spend some time with her and help her through the pregnancy uh, which was really, really, really full on and um, took some time to have a think about what I wanted to do next. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do next. I even considered mm. not doing coaching, mm. but the more I thought about it, I just thought, you know what? It's like, I'm good at it. I love it. I, I, I understand it really, really well. It doesn't make sense for me just to do something else and just to move in a mm. completely new direction. Um mm. You know, I, I have so much I can help inside this industry. And um, I'm very, very, I feel very, very grateful for my friend and business partner, Andy, who came to me and just was like, essentially, like, do you want to help me with this? Do you want to, you know, come on board a little bit? Um, I'm thinking about building up this business. Uh, we ended up going, becoming partners together in the business. And um, yeah, we, we, we founded Relentless Education, which is all about helping coaches of any type of coach. Um, and if we have two different types of people, we work with people that are brand new and just want to work out their niche, their avatar and start making money. And then the second is someone who's making money and probably just needs some help to change their business model so they can actually scale their coaching mm. model up to say half a mil, million dollar business model and um, not kill themselves with uh, dri uh, sorry, driving, um, working too much. So, yeah, we love it. We're very, 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 very passionate about it. I, I really believe that we're, we're quite good at it. Um, we have a very good system. Um, our clients get great results and we love mm -hmm. everyone that we work with. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that today. Um, I've got uh, five questions that I'm going to flee fire at you and yeah. um, hopefully you can answer those. So what would be one message you would like to share with, with the world? Spend more time with your friends and family. So important. How do you define success? And how has that definition changed over time for you? I reckon success is just how much joy you have in your life. Um, money is important because you want to have enough money to not be stressed all the time. But above and beyond that, 
it's cool, but I don't actually think it brings you joy. Um, mm. You could have a very, very simple life and have a lot of joy. As long as you're not stressed and worried about cash all the time, the stress, you just got to get past the stress. And then, mm. and then joy will be based on um, having a purpose, having meaning, um, having fulfillment, having connection, having relationships. And I think all of that, that's the good stuff, the simple stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So who's been your greatest inspiration and why? Um, I, I always find this question hard because I don't, re I'm not the type of person that has like, you know, like idols that I, that I look up to where I'm like, oh, you know, this has always been that guy. I don't really have that. Um, I guess I've have moments where I follow someone and then I follow someone else and then I follow mm. someone and follow someone else. But, you know, initially I think Tony Robbins has been a massive inspiration because he's helped me start this journey. Obviously he doesn't know that, but I imagine that's probably the truth for a lot of people. Mm. Um, I'm inspired by uh, brothers that I've met at church that are just good mm -hmm. Christian men that um, fight to be good people. Um, I'm inspired by the story of Jesus Christ in the Bible and him being the kind of like the closest thing to, a, I guess, a perfect man, someone who would forgive people that tortured him. You know, I find that just on a spiritual level, um, out of this world, as a as a way to handle things i don't think mm. i would handle it that way um no. i think i would want to kill someone so i find that very inspiring mm. um and then i would just say like I, I i another thing that i find inspiring is I, like i find i find people that are able to think about stuff um um without being emotionally judgmental that think about things critically without being an a-hole. I find that very inspiring as well. Cause I just think that the majority of people are um, overly emotional and assholes when it comes to um, debating topics. So mm. people just mean, you know, mm. just come from their, from mm. their pain. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, two more. Uh, what is something that you believe that others might disagree with? Uh, I, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. You know, I, I believe, I believe in Jesus. Um, most people don't, um, yeah. um, I, and I think like, I, I also believe that it's okay for you to believe whatever the hell you want, as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. And I think that's, mm. I literally, I, I'm convinced it's the only way for mm. anyone to ever get along with anyone is just to honor and respect what someone else believes. Absolutely. If you're breaking the law, then you should, you know, that's why we have law. So you break the law, deal with that, you, you go to jail or whatever, face the consequences. But as long as not breaking the law, things should believe in whatever you like. And you know, I I personally believe in in God, and I think it's it's personally extremely um, powerful for me. But I am not interested in convincing anyone to believe in what I believe, just mm. because I believe what I believe. I think that's just disrespectful and annoying. Um, mm. And I think that everyone's on their own journey and that 
I just respect whatever, what you want to believe. If that's where you're at. Great. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Um, so if you could go back to your younger self, um, what would be one piece of advice that you would give yourself? <clears throat> what would it be? Um, it's pretty like deep answer to this question. Cause I'm, uh, my dad, um, split up with my mom and I was convinced that my dad was angry at me and he, he didn't like me. And I, I had this kind of story going on cause I never got to speak to him. Mm. Um, so I would, I would say it's okay. Your dad loves you. Mm -hmm. It's going to be all right. I think it's, I think I'd want myself to hear that something like that. Mm, I think that mm. if I knew that as a kid, I think that would change a lot about how I treated myself. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that one because I've been there. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Matt, so much for, for coming on to the Champion Mindset Collective podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, and I'm sure that our viewers and listeners have taken away a lot of a lot of um, gems. Um, and I wish you, wish you all the best and wish you an, an amazing day ahead. And um, Thank you all for joining this this podcast. And uh, if you haven't already uh, followed the podcast, please hit the follow button and let's uh, share this episode and the podcast out with the world. Um, thank you very much. Have an awesome day, everyone.